Heyo, and welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 110 of the podcast. And whew, it's been a minute, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I looked back uh, today and noticed it's been, what, five months since the last time I spoke with you guys, and I'm sorry about that, but uh, here I am today, so let's focus on that instead. Anyway, just want to say hi to all of you and say howdy. Uh, I, uh, I hope you're all doing well. I, I definitely wanted to get a podcast out in the beginning of September to kind of welcome everybody back for the new school year. And lo and behold, here we are. It is, what, week eight of our semester. So I'm getting it in now. And uh, today's episode, we are going to talk about uh, my dissertation topic and w- the thing that I've been working on this whole time while I've been uh, absent from the podcast airwaves. And you may be like, oh, well, how's that really appeal to me? Uh, And I assure you, I will try to find a way to make it appeal to you, uh, especially, you know, the college students out there that may have struggled or may be struggling, uh, especially those that may have had to take a break uh, at some point because the struggle was really a bit overwhelming uh, and to the point that school was no longer the priority that, you know, getting well was. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the background, kind of how I came up with the idea. So for those that might be graduate students in PhD programs that haven't yet reached the dissertation phase, uh, this podcast might also be helpful for you too, because I'm going to start to talk a little bit about the process for preparing to take on a uh, a standard five-chapter dissertation. Um, So let's get into it, shall we? So the last time we spoke, uh, it was May, and I had uh, had just been wrapping up with graduation and stuff, and uh, I was just getting ready to start, or I had just started uh, my, officially, the dissertation one. And so the, the, what happens in dissertation one, there's four parts in our program to the dissertation process. I finished all my coursework in the spring and I started the dissertation in the summer. Uh, so what happens is in dissertation one is it's really a refining of your idea. Um, you, you figure out what you want to talk about and then uh, you refine it and talk to a lot of people and try and narrow it down because that's really... That's really the name of the game when it comes to a dissertation topic. Uh, nine times out of ten, if somebody, when somebody has a critique, it often involves the, the topic not being narrow enough uh, or specific enough. And uh, I'm actually, at this point, struggling with the opposite, which is uh, much more rare, but uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but at this point, you know, I was still in the, you know, too broad phase. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to study. And uh, I had actually known a, a good bit about my topic since about a year ago was when uh, I got sent down this path. Uh, if you had asked me a little over a year ago what I was going to study in a year uh, for my dissertation topic, I would have told you something completely different. I probably would have told you something that I've talked about on this podcast a number of times, um, the idea of of peer mentorship, uh, because that was the thing that I was really into um, about two years ago. 
and uh, in a year and up to a year and a half ago, and I was working with a colleague on that, and um, I still have a, an interest, but uh, it just kind of uh, hit a little bit of a, a plateau where nothing much was going on, um, and I was in a class. I had a guest lecturer come to speak to my class one day. It was right around this time last year. And she was talking about supported employment and supported education. And uh, those are the things that are psychiatric rehabilitation interventions, uh, things we we talk a lot about in our program, uh, ways to help uh, assist people uh, with disabilities that are trying to go back to school, trying to go get a job, or some combination of the two, trying to fulfill a career. So I had a practitioner, somebody that had done, uh, had experience doing supported employment and supported education come in and lecture to my class. And afterwards we were talking and the conversation got brought up. Just This was just the two of us, not the class. And we were talking about, oh, you know, if we were to start a small business or like a side hustle, uh, what would it be? And uh, we both kind of had a similar idea, which was interesting. Um, but I had never really thought about it until it came out of my mouth. But I was like, you know, I'd like to do some kind of supported education for college students uh, that struggle in school. And, um, you know, kind of like a really high-end niche thing on the side. Like not to kind of take over what I do. Like I want to keep my job, but kind of do this on the side. You know, have a couple of people that I work with. Uh, and so after I had the conversation, I started thinking about, like, oh, what would that actually look like? And uh, so that really started me down the rabbit hole of where I ended up uh, today, that conversation. And, and, and that's sort of my first point in terms of, like, dissertation topics. Like, it really helps in the beginning to have a, an area you know, a, a general, you know, a population or something that you're starting from. And thankfully for myself, I did. I, I always knew I was going to be studying college students with mental health issues in some regard. The problem is that's too, way, way, way too broad and it has to be narrowed down. So then I was thinking, you know, like I said, peer mentorship for college students with mental health issues, which would be better, but still not narrow enough. But now I started thinking about, um, you know, this unique, and it really was the, not really with the idea of starting a business, but now having never really thought about it, I started thinking about, well, what happens to college students that struggle, that, that struggle to the point that these preventative things that we would have in place, like a peer mentorship, peer mentorship program at college, or, you know, counseling services, or, um, you know, a psychiatrist, you know, everything that you would do, um, to, to kind of prevent the, the mental health condition from getting too bad to the point where somebody has to leave school, right? We have lots of those strategies. And we're working ever, every day to kind of develop those and, and, and make them more, um, you know, have a higher degree of efficacy and, you know, get them out to the people that need them. But then what happens to those that it's not enough, right? That's not enough. They have to leave school because whatever, they get hospitalized, um, they just, uh, things become overwhelming. Maybe they become homeless as a result of their mental illness or there's um, drug use involved, but, you know, something related to the mental health, uh, you know, exacerbation of symptoms or whatnot leads the person to 
kind of either drop out of school mid-semester or withdraw, or they get through the end of the semester but don't return as they had, you know, planned to. What happens to those students? Because those students, if they're not, if they withdraw, uh, or if they don't um, maintain matriculation from one semester to the next and pay their tuition, then they are not eligible for all of those services that they may have been using on campus, those preventative services, right? Um, If they're no longer students of the university, they can't go to counseling services. And so they would probably get a referral, you know, to a community therapist, you know, a a psychiatrist or a therapist in the community, hopefully that accepts their insurance and hopefully they have insurance, right? There's a lot that would happen in that transition from the campus services, if they were getting them there, to the community services. And who wants to be navigating that during this horrific time when somebody has to, you know, leave school because their mental illness gets to that bad of a point? Uh, So I started looking up, you know, services for, you know, what would be available for those students. And, you know, kind of the the second part of, you know, dissertation planning or, or the phase that I would note was here was just like, being really curious. So I had my topic, right? I had college students with mental health issues, and I had a few things that I was interested in over the years, but then I got this, you know, my hooks into this one, you know, um, students that have to leave because their illness is too bad, too great. Um, and so I got really curious about that specific thing, and I started asking questions. I started doing research online. I started reading literature, you know, academic literature, but mainly Google was the biggest thing I did at first. And I searched for like a term like college reentry mental college reentry student mental health or something like that. And two of the top uh, search results really stood out to me. Like I don't know if they were the top two, but they were right there near the top. And I was like, oh, now I'm really on to something. Um, so the first one was a program called Fountain House College Reentry. And Fountain House is a clubhouse in New York City, uh, something, a program that myself in the psychiatric rehabilitation field knows very well. Uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about clubhouses on the podcast, to be honest, but if you search for it in the uh, search uh, on the website, you would be able to find any podcasts that I have referenced that in the notes. Uh, and if there's interest, I could do a podcast on it. But I probably haven't for the reason that typically um, they do serve the, the community mental health population, um, adults, not necessarily geared towards college students. Uh, so it's not a place you'd find a lot of college students. Uh, typical clubhouses that I've run across, you may find some. Um, but this is sort of a standalone program that was born out of club, uh, born out of Fountain House, but is is very much a, a separate program. And they assist students with that that struggle and need to take a leave of absence because of you know their mental health issues. And they go to this program three days a week, six hours a day for an entire semester. It's fourteen weeks, and they learn skills that are going to help them be more resilient in transitioning back to school, right? So what are those things? You know, think about yourselves as college students uh, and think about if you were struggling, what areas might you be struggling in, right? Well, a lot of students that age, you know, traditional state, traditional age students might have just 
been diagnosed, you know, because we know a lot of people start receiving mental health diagnoses around that time period. And so if you just found out you had this diagnosis, what would you need, right? You would need information about what this diagnosis means and, you know, how to cope with it, right? What the symptoms are, um, ways to prevent relapse. Um, so there's a whole lot on illness management type of services and getting to know what it is that this diagnosis means and um, how to manage it. And so there's also a lot of wellness stuff. So wellness, the idea that sort of the opposite of illness in that it's the healthy things that we do day to day in a variety of domains that keep us well and uh, in, in often are embedded in our in our daily routines, right? You know, the, the, the healthy diet that we keep or don't keep, right? Um, our exercise or our financial health, there, there's eight different domains. I've definitely talked about wellness a lot on this podcast. And so they learn a lot of wellness strategies and they also learn uh, different types of academic skills, right? Things that I've talked about definitely on this podcast, you know, how to improve your note taking or study skills or, you know, some of the um, executive functioning type of stuff that we've talked about um, and just kind of how to manage yourself at school. So they learn these things over this 14 week semester and then they also have a, a you know somebody that they they work with to develop a plan to transition back to school following their finishing the program and that might be kind of resuming what they were doing or you know maybe they're making a change right different major different status full-time to part-time different school different living arrangements, um, but they, they make the decisions, you know, as well-informed as they can, shared decision-making, and then they support them in the, the semester that they transition back. And that is not going to a program three days a week, but more week-to-week, -week, you know, Skype or text sessions back and forth, keeping uh, them or helping them sort of integrate and transition back to school and manage any pitfalls or, or barriers that might show up uh, when that transition happens. So I was like, this is like exactly what I was like sort of thinking about, you know, in terms of when I was think asking the questions and being curious about, well, what is out there for these students that aren't part of a school but need help in transitioning back because they had a relapse? And then another option was this program uh, out of the Boston University Center for Psychiatric Rehabilitation called NETEO. And I was even more blown away when I read this because I actually hadn't heard of NETEO uh, because I had met uh, somebody that worked there at a conference a few years ago. And so they are very similar to the Fountain House program that I just described. You know, the semester, three days a week, many different skills learned uh, related to wellness, illness management, and uh, academic skill building, and a semester of transition back. Um, and they're based up at the Center for Psych Rehab. And so I was like, all right, this is definitely sort of that triangulation moment that I've talked about in, in different podcasts about when I know I'm onto something, you know, because I had seen this program appear a few different ways, right? It, I saw one was a, a part of a clubhouse, which is a psych rehab model uh, that we talk a lot about. So I saw potential there. And then Niteo, number one, now that's a network. Thing, you know, I know somebody there that I could talk to 
So that was helpful, but also being part of the Center for Psych Rehab, I was naturally interested in it anyway. So um, so that all happened uh, over the winter, and in February, I met with uh, I met with the director of the Fountain House program as well as the woman that I had met at the conference uh, up in Boston, director of the Niteo program, and talked to them both about, you know, having this dissertation to do and being interested in, in this model. And both of them were super excited to potentially partner. You know, they were wanting to have a graduate student come and study, and they, they you know, they, they were at a time, I think, where it was natural to kind of have a partnership like that. So... Um, so that was cool. And then, so I, I knew at that point, okay, I'm going to do something with these programs. And so that was, takes us through right around uh, April, right around probably the last time I podcasted. And then I started the semester. And over the summer was the refinement process, right? So now I had these ideas. I'm like, I could study this program, but how am I going to study it, right? And that's a big question. I can't just study it. You know, one one thing that... It wouldn't have worked uh, is just kind of being like, hey, I'm going to study this program and then write a write a dissertation about it. like Because that really wouldn't have applicability to a very wide audience. So, and that wasn't as interesting to me as, as what things that I could do. You know, I wanted to be able to, to learn this, you know, study this program in hopes that I could do something with it, that whatever I publish on it, other people could do it that with. So... Um, what's the best way to study a program like this that would set me up well in terms of having research that would follow naturally, that was manageable, you know, because I don't want the dissertation to last me 10 years, right? It's got to be a a chunk, a piece, but not too small, that it's not applicable to enough people and not too large that it's going to take me forever to do or just too broad. So... I spent the summer doing the refinement, and that was a lot of more talking, right? Uh, you know, I would talk to one person about the ideas, and they would say, hey, you know, what about this? And I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And then I'd go and read up on that a little bit. And then I would go back to that person and talk to them and be like, oh, yeah, maybe it wouldn't work. But then they'd send me to talk to somebody else, or they'd send me a paper to read, and that would send me in a different direction. And it's... It's a lot of fun if you're the curious type, um, and I enjoyed it, and I got to talk to a lot of different people, and that was really where I started thinking about what type of people I was going to want on my dissertation committee, and uh, I already had known who I was going to have as my chair, uh, and my chairperson is a mentor of mine, Amy, who's been on the podcast before, and so I asked her like the day after I passed the comp, the comp exam or something, um, as soon as I knew that I was going to be starting, uh, and she graciously agreed. And so I had her, but I, I really needed somebody that was an expert in this type of thing, a content expert, and I needed somebody that was going to be an expert in whatever type of method I decided. And I was leaning towards a qualitative study at this point something where I'm trying to learn about the experience of something. It's more. It's not quantitative, which would be sort of the natural opposite of qualitative. Um, qualitative studies are not so focused on statistical significance and more about um, the experience and themes that emerge. There's often interviews or a case study is a type of qualitative study. 
Um, it's very different than a standard, you know, randomized control trial or um, somebody that's, uh, you know, when you hear about studies where you're talking about blindness and, and um, randomization, you know, a lot of times that's related to quantitative studies. And I wanted to essentially in the beginning, I was focusing on a qualitative study. And that is not an area where people in my department have a ton of, of expertise. So I was going to need uh, another person on my dissertation committee that was skilled in that type of research so that was another part of the refining is, is figuring out in my mind like who's going to be a good partner with myself and amy to get me to where i want to be and so i'm going to skip a lot of uh stuff that went on in terms of i, I was presented with this opportunity to analyze some old research at one of the programs and so i had to thoroughly examine that idea and in doing so, I ended up meeting uh, a woman named Sally Rogers, who works at the Center for Psych Rehab, and she's the, one of the you know big big players there, and just a really um, famous name in our field in the field of psych rehab. Um, so I ended up talking to her, which was a huge honor, and um, eventually ended up asking her to be on my committee, and she agreed which was awesome because I didn't know uh, who I could have asked that would have been more um, a, a better better fit in terms of knowing because she runs a program like that. Uh, she's uh, the boss of, of the woman that I had spoken to back in February, and uh, she just has a wealth of knowledge about you know just supporting college students with mental health issues in general through supported education as well as a number of other types of interventions. So... Uh, so she agreed to join on in that time period, and then I had found my um, my method expert in our school as well. So I was really fortunate that the first two people I asked um, agreed and, and were gracious enough to help me. And it's just it's such a help to have really competent people on your dissertation committee. I'd suggest getting people that have served on committees in the past and not people that are just doing it for the first time. Maybe they just got their dissertation. I was actually considering that, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't go in that direction. So the refinement process, while it's fun, um, it can go on for a very long time if you do not, you know, start to make decisions and start eliminating things that don't work. And that's sort of the way I went about it until I arrived in an idea. And, and the way that you sort of move on to, from dissertation one to dissertation two is presenting your idea to the faculty in a colloquium is what it's called. And so I did that uh, a week ago last Friday, so it's been a week and a half now. And so I had originally thought I might do it in August and I was prepping and then at some point I had this really you know, tight timeline wanting to finish by the end of next year and I just after a conversation with Amy one day was like ah this is just not practical for me like I, I made a timeline to have a rough guideline but I, I already need to adjust it and that's when I made the call to be like I'm not going to be able to get this all together in time let me put it off till October so that I can have a full you know meeting with my committee and, and have a little bit more time to refine and I'm so glad I did that it's as much as I want to get done with it, I also want it to, to do well. And I also want to like not be super stressed the entire time. I mean, it's supposed to be hard, but it's not supposed to be, you know, bad stress, right? 
Um, so that was another big learning step is like, you know, I I definitely think it's a good idea to set, uh, set some goals, you know, short and long-term when it comes to wanting to, you know, have certain tasks done or, you know, wanting to be finished overall, but be okay with letting them, you know, be adjusted, especially, you know, knowing that this is the, probably the first time you've ever done a dissertation. Uh, you're making your best educated guess, and there's a good chance it's going to take a little longer, that there's things you haven't encountered. Um, if it happens that you have to move up your date, <laughs> uh, kudos to you. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of that. Uh, I would have an idea, and then I would talk to somebody, and they would kind of poke a hole in it, or you know, a couple people would, you know, bring up a similar issue and I'd be like, yeah, I can't do that or I have to address that. And so finally, you know, I got it together last week um, or a little over a week ago and and I presented. And fortunately, another person in my uh, in my program did their colloquium a month before me. And so I hadn't seen one in a while. And then I saw hers and it was great timing in order to kind of get me oriented to, um, just you know the the presentation part of it i was certainly well underway with creating my my powerpoint slides by then but um it went well uh i had my committee there and um it's really uh, the goal is really to get very constructive feedback early enough in the process that your your proposal hasn't gone been far enough along that you're going to have to make you know super big changes you know the idea is you you want to know about big potential problems early in the process so you can, um, you know, change your design or, you know, anticipate them and, and have your arguments as to, to why it's still the best idea um, in the back of your mind. The thing that I've learned with dissertation research is that um, the any type of decision you make about, you know, what you're going to study... Um, and how you're going to study it has to be backed up by a reason or a theory. You know, oh, I'm choosing college students with mental health issues. The reason is because we have a big epidemic going on right now with, uh, you know, mental health problems on campuses right now. And if there wasn't that big problem, and if I couldn't cite evidence that showed there's a big problem, this wouldn't be a very good topic. Uh, so that's sort of like an example, but then it's like, all right, am I going to do a qualitative study? Yeah. All right. Why? <laughs> um, and what is the research behind why it's a good idea to do a qualitative study? Um, or how many you pick, you want to pick, you target 50 people for the study. Oh, cool. Why? Why is 50 the number that you chose? <laughs> um, and so every single decision that you make, you have to kind of go through that process and be ready to argue it uh, or be ready to defend it be anticipating somebody wanting to argue it with you so it's not for everyone um i I found it enjoyable and the people that were in the room that day um were are knowledgeable and also just have very high standards and uh they want the best for me is the feeling that i got afterwards and so you know, it's hard, but it's it's also supportive. And I hope that people that are out there that are doing their dissertations have a similar type of audience for their ideas early in the process. Because not every program does this colloquium. But uh, so I, I walked away with it. I had several key things that came up uh, about it that I'm going to have to think about. One being that 
I can't have it just be an evaluation of one of these programs. Uh, right now, it looks like I'm going to be studying the Fountain House program. Um, I'm going to be interviewing graduates of the program. So people that have, you know, had to leave school, went to Fountain House for the semester, and then transitioned back. And my, what I'm going to focus on is the experience of reentry. What was it like to go back to school after having, taking that break because of the, you know, psychiatric whatever happened? You know, what, what barriers did you experience? What can, what things did you, would you do differently next time? And it sort of will get at, I think, what they got out of the program. But I'm really focused on the reentry experience. So one piece of criticism that came up is, well, if you only interview people from this program, how are you? How much is that going to be able to translate what you learn to people that don't attend that program? You know, they could be very different. Uh, there's a there's a cost, as an example, to attending this program. So if people can't afford that cost, you know, perhaps I, these people, these students attending this program, are fundamentally in some way, shape, or form different than typical students that have to withdraw because of a, you know, mental health reason. So I have to keep that in mind. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I think I can make the argument that it would translate. Um, but I also need to think about maybe in, involving people that don't necessarily go to that program, maybe find other programs or, or whatnot uh, to see if the experience of reentry is the same. So that's like sort of like where I've, I've left. But like at this point, uh, I'm, I'm taking a break, actually, a three-week break from my dissertation. And that's why <laughs> I'm doing the, the podcast because, uh, I, you know, I, I've reached that point in between where I'm actually able to catch up on things that um, just have fallen off for me in my life. And um, in, in two weeks, because it's been a week when I come back, uh, what I'm going to start doing is, is the actual writing, you know, the, the writing part, because the next stage is I have to, to have a proposal hearing where I have to really lay out my idea and have it all written out and have the method written out and, and defend all of that. Not the dissertation defense, but defend the proposal um, before I can start collecting data. So I have a ways to go. That's going to take me all winter and into the spring to write that. But it was a major milestone I cleared with getting through the colloquium and um, in really getting actually a good amount of information and feedback and helpful facts and critiques back. So I appreciate all of that. So what students maybe can get out of this is if you are struggling or if you have been out of school, that there are programs, reentry programs. They're very niche, and some of them can be... Um, a little bit expensive, but um, and I and I don't have an op opinion about them yet because I really haven't studied them. But they're out there. I'm going to link to the two that I talked about in today's podcast uh, in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested, feel free to reach out and let me know because I don't know. I I think this is a really cool idea. I could see a program like this maybe appearing on large campuses, right? Um, so like a, a big school, like a Rutgers, for example, if they had a, a reentry program for students that had to leave Rutgers and kind of were in this limbo semester with the idea of going back, um, maybe they can offer a program like this to support those students. You know, I think there's a lot of promise. And so that's why I'm excited 
excited to study it. So um, what do you guys think? Have you had any experience with college reentry? Uh, I would love to hear from you. Um, I, I don't know how it, w- it would be helpful, but I know it would be, you know, if, if I could hear some stories about what it was like. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the past five months. Um, and uh, as far as, you know, the next few months, uh, I'm going to be continuing. And so I had this little break where I'm, you know, I, I worked really hard and I, I just needed to clear my brain and not really work on it for a few weeks before I resume it. And it was a good time for me to just kind of reflect and, and talk to you guys. So uh, that being said, I don't, I, I can't make any promises about what will happen next with the podcast. You know, I, I never intended for five months to go by. Um, but when I look back and think, it's like, well, I've really been working on this dissertation for five months straight, getting ready for this colloquium. And so it, it shows me like the fact that as much as I want to be able to fit everything in my life that I, that I love, uh, that I just can't at this point in my life fit it all. Um, and I have to prioritize. And for me right now, the dissertation has to be a big, you know, a big priority, right? Uh, I, and I'm sure many of you can, can understand that. So with that said, um, I don't think this is going to be the last podcast, but I, at the same time, I'm not going to make any promises as to when the next will be. Um, I actually, it might be soon, you know, I was thinking about asking uh, somebody that works at one of these college reentry programs to do an interview. And, and I think that would be a cool podcast interview for people because I think it would be relevant to the population, you know, that struggles to hear, like, what what do they teach students that struggle to the point where they have to leave school? Because if, if those, there are often probably things that I can learn from that as well. Um, and maybe down the line, I might pivot this podcast and really market it or, or sort of um, make it specialty, uh, specialized for college students that are, um, you know, in the uh, leave or re-entry process um, to better support them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what lies in the future for the podcast, but I want to be as transparent as possible with you guys. Um, So with that, you know, again, I, I do intend to be back. I do intend to do more episodes, but I don't have any, I can't make any promises. I actually prepared for the Naval one that I, w- I mentioned uh, at the end of the last podcast. I I took notes and I prepared something and, and I, I still would like to do that, but then uh, I was sort of, it was so many months ago, I'd have to re-prepare. But um, I did want to come at you. I had some time. I was inspired today to come and, and do a podcast. So uh, hope that you guys got something out of it for today. So with that, uh, I do want to wish you guys a great rest of the semester. Uh, again, I hope to be back soon. But uh, if not, know that I'm working hard on the dissertation and that I will have, uh, I will definitely podcast when it's all over. Uh, you know, assuming that all of my uh, technology here still works, but uh, you, you will hear from me again. Um, and I would definitely definitely love to hear from you guys so hit me up if you are so inclined college student success podcast at gmail.com or you can visit the facebook page uh, that would be cool too uh, and uh, otherwise take care everyone peace